Happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you're all celebrating safely this year. To encourage you to stay safe and warm at home, I decided to bring some Halloween fun to you. This is a story about one of the activities that scares me the most, karaoke. I am, in my family, alone on this one, as my mother and siblings tend to love getting their song on. But if you know me, you already know that spending an evening singing karaoke is an evening in hell for me. So with that in mind, I crafted a dastardly tale about something that sends chills down my spine with the hopes of keeping you amused. This is a story dedicated to the people that I love that I can't be near right now, and I hope they enjoy it too. So with that, let's get to your Halloween treat, a story I call Hell of a Singer. The night wasn't in full swing yet, but it wasn't that early either when Lisa looked at her phone. The soft din of the few patrons of the bar in front of her seemed so much louder than it would have been if the room were full. So far, there was only her one regular at the bar, a few people sitting at the video machines, whom she didn't figure she would see the faces of until closing time, and a few pretty normal people nursing a couple of beers, and neither of them were wearing a costume. She tried not to get too excited when the door opened and she felt the swirl of cold air on her hands and face, but it was just the one guy from the couple going out to smoke. It was sparse for a Saturday night to begin with, but it was even more noticeable for Halloween. She consoled herself that it wasn't like this was bound to be everyone's first stop of the night. After all, the vast majority of their patrons were parents, most of whom would like to get their kids home before they could partake in their own night out. And she couldn't pretend that there weren't people who were going to go out of their way to overdo it for their costume contest. Well, she hoped anyway. She queued up another song, Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me, to get into the spirit. It was kind of an obvious choice, but she didn't want to throw on Thriller unless she absolutely had to, considering that someone would likely be singing it soon. Besides, she was only playing makeshift DJ until 9 when the official karaoke started. Lisa was looking over the set list she'd made, checking that it would cover the next 20 minutes, and making sure that it was sufficiently spooky enough to set the mood. She knew she'd feel better when her girlfriend got here. Fiancé. She was still getting used to that. Maybe if she'd been the one to pop the question, she might feel like it was real. But right now, she was just in a fog of being happy, nervous, happy, and feeling terribly awkward for feeling happy. She forced herself to look at the list. Whatever happened tonight didn't matter as long as Becca was there and they were able to have a little bit of fun. Becca was all about this Halloween stuff, and even used some of their own savings to help make their costumes just a little more special. A few of their friends had teased them about getting too predictable and trying to find matching costumes already, so Lisa had suggested to just go with a bit of a theme that would let them dress up together, without having to get too teased by everyone. Becca wasn't as bothered by the ribbing, but she was excited by the idea of a theme all the same, and had been the one to come up with what they eventually went with. She'd gotten the idea when she found out that the show Rainbow Bright had debuted on her birthday in 1984, 
and had challenged Lisa to find something similar. The closest she could find to something that debuted in 1986 was My Little Pony, so that was what she got stuck with. Lisa didn't know how she felt about getting stuck in a unicorn onesie all night, but at least she would be comfortable. Quarter to nine and she couldn't deny that she was getting a bit nervous now. She kept telling herself that it was still pretty early. The wind was howling out there, which meant that it was only going to get colder. Lisa hoped it wouldn't snow this early in the year. That would only make it harder to get people to come out tonight. Eyeing the couple, they looked pretty bored, and she didn't know that they would stick around once the singing started. They certainly didn't look like they were there to have fun tonight, and neither of them had come up to ask if they could start to choose songs. She glanced at the door, as if to call someone else there. Anyone would do, but hopefully it would be some singers that she knew. She knew that Becca would be there soon. She texted Lisa about half an hour ago to tell her that she was just putting the finishing touches on her costume, and she'd be going to pick up one of their regulars, Jess. That had made her feel a bit better initially, but half an hour was a long time for someone who was already feeling a bit awkward about tonight. Lisa had been trying to get excited about Halloween, but it had been a little more of a challenge after her engagement party had gone a little off. She'd been grateful that the people who owned this little bar had been so good to her and Becca. They'd stood by them when they'd arrived to find that some of the people they'd known for years were now less than enthusiastic about their impending wedding. Some of them Lisa knew were going to be a bit sour. She'd prepared for it. It still stung to know that someone like James, who'd known her since she started hosting karaoke and had closed the bar with her on multiple occasions, would have just stopped coming. Anne was another one, though there were a few who had chalked that one up to jealousy. Lisa didn't know for sure, but it kind of hurt to know that her friend was really going to stop supporting them because of her engagement. She told herself that it didn't really matter and that she was prepared for this, but watching the nights get slimmer in the last month and having people behave weird or refuse to acknowledge her at all was worse than she thought it would be. She'd scolded herself for taking it as personally as all that. After all, she'd been out of the closet for a long time now, and it wasn't like this was her first coming out rodeo. Still, in the quiet moments, she'd kind of wish that maybe things would be different this time. Was it too much to ask that people be excited and happy for her? She had Becca, though. She knew that things like this hurt, but ultimately, she had someone in her life that she was beyond lucky to be with, whose sense of humor kept her from ever getting too down, and whose voice always kept her in awe. That was worth more to her than people who pretended to be her friends anyway. When she thought like that, it helped perk her up and made her feel that excitement again. She straightened up and raised the music level just a bit to get better into the mood of the evening. After all, no one wanted to see a sad unicorn standing at the mic. Lisa knew that if no one else showed up, there were the few regulars that always made their way in to sing. One such regular was already here. It was a bit of cold comfort, however, seeing as Greg never did sing until the end of the night. But he was a good guy, who would clap for everyone and was generally just happy to be there. 
He rarely talked to many people, though getting him started on any given topic that actually did interest him could land someone stuck in his company for most of the evening until they got called to sing. Lisa remembered when Becca accidentally found out about his love of weather systems and got the lecture of a lifetime, finding out about clouds that looked like boobs and what they actually meant in terms of determining storm patterns. Lisa had never seen anyone so happy to get called up to sing the bad touch in her whole life. Really though, Greg was easy to have around, and he never treated her or Becca any differently. He liked the fact that Lisa always let him have the last song of the night, for the most part, and that he could just caterwaul his rendition of Semisonic's closing time, complete with a verse that he mostly made up on the spot instead of reading the prompts. Tonight, he'd even gotten into the holiday spirit. Well, a bit. He had a wire halo sticking up from his regular trucker hat, and some mismatched wire hanger wings strapped to his back. One wing was smaller, with some red and black spotted nylon stretched over it, while the other looked more like a butterfly wing, and may have had a pattern at some point, but there had been a few snags in the nylon that made it full of runs. For anyone else, that might have been a lame costume, but considering that Lisa didn't expect him to show up wearing anything outside of his regular trucker hat, jean jacket over a t-shirt, and jeans ensemble that he showed up in every week, she couldn't help but be a little touched by the sight of it. Jess was another one they could always count on. While not the best singer in the group, she loved 80s pop songs, and would often compensate with enthusiasm where she lacked in vocal range. Of course, enthusiasm usually amounted to volume, which had once blown out a speaker when her blood alcohol level had allowed her to exhibit the full extent of her enthusiasm. These days, Marcus, their resident waiter, busser, bartender, technician, and translator for his parents, kept a watchful eye on Jess when her signature dance moves made an appearance. He would cut her drinks with water and adjust her tab accordingly after that. Likewise, Lisa understood that when her drinks were getting a bit paler, she would watch the volume levels she set things at. These were all unspoken things, but it wasn't like Jess didn't know about them. She'd said as much. She also said that this was why she came back to this bar every week. She knew that she could count on Lisa and Marcus to watch out for her if she was letting drunk Jess make too many decisions. And she knew that Becca wouldn't let her walk home. Jess was going to be there to the bitter end, and that alone was worth it to enjoy the night. My dad said the unicorn looks hungry tonight, Marcus said, snapping Lisa out of her thoughts. She looked over at him, standing at the edge of her booth with a plate of green onion cakes. Your dad is still in the kitchen for the night? I thought the restaurant closed early. It's open for deliveries, Marcus shrugged. And the regular cook had a party to go to tonight, so my dad volunteered to take the later shift. He's going to be awfully tired by the end of the night, Lisa said. She looked at the food in front of her. Are these going on my tab? Come on, my dad doesn't charge you for food, Marcus replied dismissively. He sighed. I think he's going to try to do this more often. He's hoping that getting more of the deliveries through those online services will help. I know he's under a lot of stress, Lisa said. He is, but there's a lot more to it than he's letting on, Marcus said quietly. He glanced over his shoulder. 
I'm only telling you this because I know you're stressed too, but it wasn't about you and Becca. The truth is that things have been getting frustrating around this area for a while. He tries to pretend it doesn't matter, but there's been writing on the doors when we get here sometimes and people trying to break the windows. We've talked to people about it, but I think you know how that goes around here. A bit too well, Lisa sighed. He's afraid of losing this place, but mostly I think he's afraid of losing all the people here, Marcus said. You and Becca, old John who comes every Wednesday to get his order of lemon chicken and tell us about what his fortune cookie said this time. Jess and her terrible singing, Nicole and all the stories about her kids, even Greg. We don't have extended family here, and that's something I know he misses from back home. It's hard for him to see people go, but I think it would be harder still for him to see this place go under and have it so he didn't see anyone anymore. Well, there's still time for things to turn around, Lisa encouraged. And Halloween isn't usually entirely dead, so maybe we can pull in enough tonight and try to figure out something and get things moving again. Maybe, Marcus nodded, though it was clear he was skeptical. Let's just see how things go. Lisa said, taking a bite of her onion cake. I know Becca and Jess are coming for sure, and Nicole said that she was going to make an appearance too, so we at least have a little bit to look forward to. And we're all friends, so it should be fun regardless. Well, even if they aren't, you better hope that no one comes in with a better costume, Marcus said, lightening up. So far, poor Greg isn't putting up much competition, and with my dad as the judge, it's going to be interesting to see what impresses him. As if on cue, Nicole, dressed as Red Riding Hood, came in with Rhonda and her husband Tom. More accurately, Rhonda emerged in a spray of glitter and enough sequins to put their tiny disco ball to shame. Nicole came in behind her, with her eyes glued to her phone for the latest text message from her husband, and Tom, pulling up the rear like he was every bit the Tin Man as his costume suggested. We didn't miss the first song, did we? Rhonda said, shuffling her way forward in a pair of six-inch ruby slippers that clicked loudly in the mostly empty room. She looked full-on like a drag queen's impression of Dorothy Gale. We're five minutes away from it, Lisa smiled. Glad you could make it. So I'm guessing beer for Nicole, water for Tom, and something special for you, Marcus said, getting up. Do you, uh, oh goodness, do you know how to make anything like Twister-themed, or, or maybe something rainbow-esque. I'll see what I can do for you there, Dorothy. Marcus laughed, leaving Lisa to the newcomers as he went back to the bar. And with that, the night had started. When Rhonda couldn't decide on a first song, Lisa stepped up and decided that she would begin with a crowd-pleaser, even if it wasn't really that spooky. She was halfway through Tainted Love when Becca arrived wearing a bright yellow yarn wig, that was drawn up in pigtails with a blue dress that she'd painted to look like rainbow brights. Behind her, Jess was struggling to keep up as she made her way to the table with Rhonda, Tom, and Nicole, her bulky costume covered by her coat. Lisa nearly laughed through the end of the song when she saw Jess remove her coat to reveal what used to be a Starbucks cup costume that had been transformed into a makeshift McDonald's cup, complete with 80s-style logo done in marker. The two were making themselves comfortable and greeting the rest of the people at the table as the song began to wind down. As Lisa was finishing her last note, 
Rhonda had completed her lip exercises and was ready to get her first song in. She was still a few warm-up songs and a shot of courage away from diving into Whitney Houston material. Lisa passed the mic over to the glammed-up Dorothy Gale and made her way behind the booth to find the small, predictable stack of papers waiting for her. Nicole was next, and her songs were always the same when she came out. The first one was always Call Me by Blondie. What her next song would be all depended on if she was tying one on tonight or not. If she was going to be leaving on her own within the next hour or so, she'd pick something easy and repetitive like Video Killed the Radio Star or Come On Eileen. But if she was going to be hitting the bar tonight, they might get some Pat Benatar out of her yet. And we're starting here properly for the spookiest night of the year. Make sure that you hand me your song so that I can put you in the rotation and your name doesn't get lost. You guys are looking great tonight, and don't forget to stay to the end, because there is a prize for the best costume. The kitchen is still open, and there are some drink specials for the night, so don't forget to ask Marcus more about that. And with that, let's give a warm welcome to Rhonda singing Waterloo. Lisa arranged the stack of papers in the order they always went in. Nicole was next, then Jess. Tom surprisingly had put in a paper to sing Don't You Forget About Me, but it looked suspiciously like Rhonda's writing. Then a name that didn't look familiar and she could barely read it. It was scrawled on the paper in what looked like dark red ink. She couldn't make out anything for the name, but the song was Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. Lisa looked up to see who might have set the slip down and saw a woman from the couple standing in front of her, staring unblinking and stock still. Hi. Lisa said, unsure of what else to say. The woman in front of her looked like she might start drooling, her eyes seeming like they were getting wider. Can I... can I help you? Singing. Yes. She said, smiling, showing all of her teeth. Sign... papers. To sing. Um, was this you who wanted to sing Bon Jovi? Lisa asked, pointing to the paper in her hand. Him, the woman replied, her eyes darting to the bored-looking man at the table. There was someone else sitting with him now. Someone in dark clothing with dark hair to match. Lisa couldn't tell if it was a goth or a person in costume. I can't read his name, Lisa said to the woman. Could you tell me what it is? No names, she replied, shaking her head as she smiled wide again. Just point. We know. She continued to smile and stare as she handed Lisa another piece of paper. The woman had clutched it like she was in pain as she handed it over. Again, the name was scratched into the paper as something she couldn't read, but the song this time was in perfect cursive. She was requesting sweet dreams. We have both versions of this song... Do you want the newer version? Lisa started. The woman's face scowled into a sneer. The original, then. Only version, the woman said, her face returning to the creepy smiling mask. Lisa nodded and put the paper down in the row with the others. The woman nodded back before tapping the horn on her onesie. Nice. Unicorn. 
Lisa adjusted Rhonda's levels so she could sing to her heart's content without doing any major damage to the equipment before making her way over to Becca. Showing off the hand-sewn details of her costume, her girlfriend looked like she was a trick-or-treater who had just hit the candy jackpot. She was so bouncy. Lisa just smiled as the love of her life turned to beam at her. You look fantastic, Lisa said as Becca threw her arms around her. And I come with glitter, Becca said, pointing to the pouch on her belt. Before Lisa could object, it's the edible kind, so if it spills on the floor, it's actually pretty easy to wipe away with a damp cloth. I know from experience. It wasn't my fault, Jess sulked. This costume messes with my periphery, and it's a bit wider in the back than I thought it was. Hey, we figured out how to clean up the mess, so that's all that matters, Becca replied cheerfully. She turned to Lisa. Looks like we've got a few new singers tonight. That's exciting. It's too bad they didn't dress up, but hey, they're buying drinks and getting into things, so that's a plus. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Lisa said, thinking back on her encounter with the woman at the booth. I kind of figured they would check out, but it's nice they didn't. Looks like they brought a friend, even. Looks like they brought more than one, Nicole chimed in, looking up from her phone for the first time. Odd, I didn't notice anyone walk in, but sorry, just a sec. Our youngest is too young for trick-or-treating, and candy distribution went a little south after I left. You need to step out? Lisa asked, distracted by the table where the strange couple were sitting. She was surprised to see that along with their dour goth friend, there were now three other people with them. She didn't know how they'd managed to slip in without her feeling the cold. Nope. Hubby promised me a night out tonight, so he's on it, Nicole said to her phone screen. He's mostly just giving me the play-by-play -play so I know what kind of war I can expect when I get up tomorrow. Something wrong, babe? Becca asked, looking at Lisa. Her voice was normal, but Lisa could see that there was concern in her expression. Nah, just doing a bit of a head count, Lisa replied, shaking her head. Rhonda's doing her little ending dance, so that means you're up next, Nicole. The petite blonde Red Riding Hood nodded to her phone, but said nothing. Lisa kissed Becca on the cheek and made her way back to the booth. As she took her place to get everything ready for the mic pass, she noticed a small stack of neatly piled papers were waiting for her. It seemed a bit on the odd side, and she was starting to get the sinking feeling that she was getting pranked. After all, there was only their merry band of regulars, and she'd just been at the table with the four of them. She knew no one had put in any extra songs in the few minutes she'd been there. She sighed and looked up, only to see the far table with the couple was now full, and the three adjoining tables were also filled with chatter and people looking at songbooks. Lisa was so stunned that she almost forgot to readjust the levels for Nicole. She cleared her throat and tried not to stare at the mysterious new people who'd come in without her noticing. All right, everyone, let's give it up for Rhonda, making ABBA sound so good, Lisa said, forcing herself to be chipper. She was suddenly grateful for all the practice she'd had sounding happy to an empty room, because right now, she was getting nervous, even if she didn't know why. We have a lot of people waiting to sing tonight, so I'll be working on the rotation for a bit here. Remember to get those songs in early so I can get you up as soon as possible. And don't forget to check with Marcus about those drink specials. 
Next up, we have Nicole doing her version of Call Me. There was a polite round of applause as the people at the back shuffled to new tables. Nicole, ever distracted, put a hand up to thank them, but didn't really pay that much attention as the music began and she kept her eyes on the monitor waiting for the lyrics. Lisa cued her up, and as the familiar drum line began, she tried to figure out what was up with all these new slips of paper. Just like the other two, the names were indecipherable, but most of the song titles were really easy to read. Lisa was praying this wasn't some kind of elaborate joke. She really wanted to enjoy tonight, and she hoped that all these strangers were there for the right reason. She was relieved when she glanced up to see Marcus walking towards her as Nicole got to the chorus. Becoming a bit of a busier night than I thought it would be, Lisa said, trying to sound normal. She knew her face didn't match, but she was hoping that Marcus would tell her that these people were all clearly coming in from somewhere else that she wasn't seeing. She already knew the restaurant side was closed, but she'd hoped that maybe his father had opened it up again in hopes of getting more people in. He sighed and she knew that that wasn't the case. They're all ordering drinks, which is good, Marcus began. He frowned and looked over at their tables. I've never seen them before. I didn't even see them come in. I was mostly coming over here to see if you'd seen anyone walk through the door, because I sure haven't. Eh, these guys, they're alright, a familiar, slower voice said dismissively. A little weird sometimes, but uh, no weirder than anyone else I know. Lisa and Marcus looked over to see Greg standing there with a slip of paper. It was like he was checking it out to make sure everything was spelled correctly. It's um, pretty early in the evening there, Greg, Lisa said. You're welcome to put in with everyone else, but we're going to be singing for a while with everyone putting in songs, assuming everyone wants to sing. Oh yeah, this bunch, they got some weird people, but they're pretty good singers. Used to be part of a choir before, big one, Greg said, barely paying attention. Are these friends of yours, Greg? Marcus asked, pressing a bit. Greg, unblinking, looked up at him finally. The people in the back? Are they your friends? I don't know that we call each other friend, but eh, we got an understanding, them and me. Nothing bad between us, both of us. We got our jobs and stuff, he shrugged. So they're work friends, then, Lisa guessed. Suppose that's the right way to put it, he nodded. And I wouldn't normally put this in this early, but eh, they want to have fun. Can't say no to that. Well, I'll find a spot for you, Lisa said, taking his slip. And since you know them, could you let your, uh, work friends know that I need them to be a little more clear on what their names are. The one said to just point, but there's too many of them to do that now. Ah, hell, Greg sighed. Names, a strange, familiar voice said behind her. Lisa and Marcus turned to see the woman that had spoken to her before, standing about three inches from Lisa and staring again unblinkingly. She smiled, but it was like her face was frozen in that position. Flips. Need names, no names. No, 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 we, we, we worked on this, Greg said, before Lisa could say anything. Remember, not that name, just, like, 
Your name, right? Susan? The strange woman said, looking at Greg. <sighs> Why not? Works, he shrugged and waved to Lisa and Marcus, leaving them with the woman. He paused halfway back to the bar. Remember, intonation, social skills. We talked about that. Yes. The woman hissed out, turning her gaze slowly from Greg back to Lisa and Marcus again. Susan. She smiled in a way that made her face look like it was going to crack, and nodded before making her way off towards her table. Lisa knew Marcus was staring too, and she should be getting ready to call the next person, but she couldn't help thinking that if she moved, she would find that weird woman standing behind her again. When she finally looked at Marcus, he nodded. I'm assuming whatever I give you to drink, you want a double, he finally said. With an umbrella, please. I don't even care what you bring me, just make sure it looks fancy. Marcus wasn't even halfway back to the bar when Lisa looked up and saw the back of the room was now completely full of new faces. Some of them had what looked like masquerade masks over rubber Halloween masks, and all of them were completely dressed in black. Most of them looked like they were dressed in some kind of robe, and it was hard to see where one of them ended and where the other began. She looked down at the next slip and prepared to get the attention of whoever it was that first guy had been, only to see the name Susan scratched on that slip, and the next one, and all the others. Everyone who wasn't one of her friends was suddenly named Susan, and Lisa had a sinking feeling that something about this crowd was very wrong. Let's put our hands together for Nicole, Lisa said, trying to keep her composure as the last song ended. Great job, and just remember to write clearly on your slip so I can read it and make sure that everyone gets a turn. This time we have a brand new singer, so let's welcome um, Susan to the front for Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. From the mass of black-clad bodies emerged a man who looked like he was just a little too out of it to walk. Her friends, save Nicole, were all confused as he stumbled his way to where the mic had been set down. Unsure if she should continue or call this man a cab before he could try to order another drink, she saw Greg nod at her and clap to cheer on the newcomer. With a sigh, Lisa queued up the track and Susan snapped to attention on the monitor. As the opening notes came on and Susan adjusted to looking at the screen, he mumbled the first spoken words and cleared his throat. With the first word, the man let out a noise that Lisa had never heard before and swore it reverberated in her soul. Greg quickly signaled to Lisa to pause everything and hurried over to where Susan stood, looking at the mic like it was on the wrong setting. Lisa looked over to where Becca and the others were sitting to see them all with their mouths hanging open, except for Nicole, who was diligently texting. For a couple of horrible seconds, there were no sounds except the sizzle of the fryer in the background. When Lisa looked to Marcus, he just shook his head as he looked at the rest of the crowd in black, all of them now shifting and seeming to get restless. She wanted to ask just what the hell kind of joke this was, 
but there were so many figures lining in the back now she was afraid to. With only their tiny group and Marcus, there was no way that she could try to get rid of all these people, and she was getting the sinking feeling that something was very, very wrong with them. Becca shot her a look that Lisa only wished she could reply to, but Greg was waving to her by now as he was softly explaining what to do with the mic. Little glitch, little glitch, Greg said reassuringly. Nothing to it, remember. Social skills. Oh, and sing from the diaphragm this time. Works better. Lisa looked to Greg, but he just gave her a thumbs up before returning to his seat. Susan was looking at her now, a strange piercing gaze that she was very uncomfortable with. She looked back to Greg again. Just needed a warm-up, Greg called out. All good, just, just needs a restart there, Lise. With a sigh, she queued up the song again, and his attention snapped back to the monitor. Skipping the spoken intro, he took a deep breath, and Lisa prepared for another blasting sound of weird noise. Instead, the guy began to sing the actual song, albeit a bit off-key, but it was recognizable as Bon Jovi this time. It was relieving, but also alarming, as he did nothing but sing and sway back and forth. Once he reached the chorus, Becca made a small dash over to the booth where Lisa stood. Babe, what's going on? She said, her voice thick with worry now. Who are all these people? I don't know, Becca. I don't know where they're coming from, and neither does Marcus. Apparently Greg knows who they are, but this is getting weird. I don't know what to think. Smells like something green, yes? A now familiar voice interrupted. Lisa didn't want to face her, but she knew that woman would stare at her, even if she wasn't looking, and that somehow bothered her more. How can I help you? Lisa asked, trying to sound friendly and hoping that Becca wasn't going to ask her what was wrong. Cooking something smells like something green. Like the green onion cakes? Becca offered. I ordered them when I came in. Cakes. The woman said, sounding like she was deciding if she liked the word or not. She looked at Becca for a moment, before offering a disturbing, toothy grin. She looked at Lisa. Your wife. Fiance, but close enough, Becca said, gushing. We've only been engaged for a couple of months, but time sure is flying. Oh, sweetie, we need to get on those wedding plans soon. End of April is good, the disturbing woman said. She flashed another toothy grin. Better weather. You know, that isn't a bad idea. Did you want to share some of the green onion cakes? Babe, I'll let you get back to work and we'll chat about this later. You'll have to excuse her, a new voice said, as Lisa watched her girlfriend wander off with this strange newcomer. When Lisa turned, she saw a tall, imposing figure that was wearing a red wig with a plastic mask that had been done up to look like Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Otherwise, this person was completely clothed in black, just like all the others. My... Inarticulate friend has admirable intentions, but lacks the understanding and nuance and diction to properly convey them. I see. 
I assume you're one of Greg's work friends, Lisa asked. Friend is such a quaint term. Why, yes, I suppose that works as far as labels go. Though it seems like camaraderie is indeed what we have found ourselves experiencing as we enter this tavern full of lights and those lovely smells that come from the kitchen. The owner is the one cooking tonight, so he actually created a bunch of the recipes on the menu based on dishes he was raised with, so if there's something you want, this is actually a really good night to get it, Lisa encouraged. Perhaps. A little later, as I don't want to spoil my solo here, the person replied, puffing out their chest a little more. It was only at this point that Lisa realized she couldn't tell if this was a man or a woman. And that brings me to you, my friend. Now, when you call me up for the piece, could you introduce me by saying the words and now presenting, as tradition calls for? Naturally, I don't expect the usual fanfare of pyrotechnics and certainly not the shower of gold dust that follows, but I do miss hearing that phrase. Sure, Lisa said, watching as the person in front of her sighed and seemed to drift off into their own world. And, um, which song was it that you were singing? Of course, the only song that one might sing to truly warm up the vocal cords while still expressing one's truest artistic abilities, the person said, gesturing to the stack. The best song that Journey has ever created. Lovin', touchin', squeezin', Lisa said, looking at the list. And your name is also Susan. Oh, for pity's sake. (sighs) Yes, I suppose I am indeed Susan. Okay, well, it'll be up shortly, so you'll want to be prepared. You'll be going right after Tom, and he's after Rhonda there, Lisa explained. You're right. Oh, exercises. I must do my exercises. Lisa did her best to continue to cue up the songs as she normally did, and was relieved to be calling people she knew for at least a couple of turns. Rhonda was noticeably more reserved when she came up for her next song, but with the polite applause from the army of Susans at the back, she went on and before long, she was back to her usual antics. Tom, for his part, was mostly watching his wife and seemed to be happy as a makeshift watchdog for the table. Lisa knew that he was actually pretty useless in any kind of fight scenario, and wouldn't start anything with anyone, but it did make her uneasy to see him getting so nervous too. It made it so that she felt a bit guilty for keeping more of an eye on Becca, who was happily planning their wedding with the wide-eyed stranger, who seemed mostly keen to listen as long as the green onion cakes were there. Nicole, meanwhile, made a lot of expressions at her phone, like the offending device had been talking to her directly. As the songs continued to come on, she was grateful for business, and even more so for the fact that, even if it was weird, it meant that they were busy, and maybe they would be able to pull through this little bump before the winter really started. Still, 
she was kind of wondering where the hell Greg worked and how he'd managed to convince that many people to come to karaoke. The number of people who were here had grown to the point that the black figures had more or less swallowed the rest of the seats around their little table. Still, for such a huge crowd, they were pretty well behaved. Marcus was constantly moving around them and seemed to be busy. She hadn't seen his father all night, so she assumed that he was busy cooking. She saw at least a few tables with food at them, though some of the Susans were just picking at it like they didn't know what to do with it. Lisa had just called up about the fifth Susan of the night, and was watching as the figure hunched over the mic like it was about to let loose with a feral scream of agony, but instead began the cheerful tones of Barbie Girl. This certainly wasn't the party that she was expecting tonight, but at least it was a party. Weird night, Marcus said, breaking her train of thought. He handed her another drink with an umbrella in it. Busy, but weird. Weirder than we've had in a while. Even for Halloween, Lisa agreed. How's everything going at the bar? At the very least, it seems like it's a pretty well-behaved crowd. Yeah, they keep buying, so that's good, I guess. Something wrong? For the amount of alcohol that we're moving tonight, I keep expecting someone to go off, you know? Marcus said quietly. Like... There are a few of these guys that have been ordering, like, doubles and triples, and more than one. I'm not complaining, but it just feels like they're suspiciously well-behaved is all. And they're all named Susan? That's what all the slips say, Lisa said. Every time I ask, no one seems like they know where the name came from, but they all know it's theirs. And for work friends, most of them aren't really sitting near Greg at all, or even chatting with him much. I mean, I guess they're friendly enough, though. Becca has been bouncing her wildest wedding ideas off of that one person all night so far. Yeah, there's someone who speaks Mandarin, who's been chatting with Dad all night, Marcus said, glancing back at the bar. Now that everyone seems to be eating and no one's ordered anything in a while, he's taking a break and teaching his new friend a card game he used to play back when he was young. That's nice, at least, Lisa offered. Isn't it? It is, Marcus said, unconvinced. It's just, I don't speak as well as either of them do. I trust my dad, but he likes to see the good in people, you know? It doesn't help that he doesn't hear so great anymore, and some people like to take advantage of that. I'm sure Greg wouldn't bring anyone here who would do anything like that, but you never know, right? And I would feel better if I knew what they were talking about. Maybe want Greg to chat with him for you, maybe? He knows this guy, so maybe he can make sure that everyone is happy and, you know, on the up and up, right? Not a bad idea. <sighs> Looks like Barbie is almost finished here. Who's up next? Susan! Which one, I don't know. But it looks like it might be the one who likes a particular intro, Lisa said, queuing up the next song. And just a heads up, the next song is Hey Jude. So you might have a few more people ordering drinks by the time the Nas start. The ending notes of Barbie Girl faded, and sure enough, the figure that Lisa had taken to calling the articulate Susan was itching to start singing again. Taking their place in front of the monitor like they were waiting for an award, Lisa did her best to rise to the occasion. 
Let's give a big hand to Susan for that great rendition of Barbie Girl. And remember, we still have those drink specials going on for tonight, so don't hesitate to go up and chat with Marcus about them. And now presenting Susan singing Hey Jude. Give them a warm welcome. The articulate Susan bowed graciously to Elisa and put a hand up to wave to the rest of the polite applause as though they were entering a concert hall. Behind them, the lone dour figure that looked like a miserable goth rolled his eyes and shook his head. Lisa bit her tongue to keep from smiling as she hit the track and let it play. As the singer started, she had to admit that they were pretty good and could carry a tune well enough. In fact, most of these newcomers weren't bad at all. Even the first Susan, who was only slightly out of tune, didn't really sound as awful as some people she'd had come in before. As the song began to pick up, Lisa saw Jess now up and dancing with a different figure in black. Well, dancing might be a bit of a stretch. Jess was doing her usual strange moves when she was getting a bit too happy, and the figure seemed to be trying to follow her lead, though was getting very confused very quickly. Rhonda was feverishly trying to find songs that she liked first, so no one else would get to sing them before she did, while Tom sat next to her, eyeballing the crowd, but seemingly okay with everyone so far. He got a pained expression on his face every now and again, and Lisa knew that he was being voluntold to sing something that wasn't in her range. Lisa was impressed to see even Nicole looking up from her phone, though she was mostly just showing off pictures of her kids' Halloween costumes to one of the newcomers. And you thought tonight was going to be a bust, Becca said, coming up beside her. Lisa smiled as she kissed her cheek. I never said that, she replied, looking over the activity of the room. And I would have been happy if you were the only one to come sing with me tonight. Come on, lady, you already convinced me to marry you. No need to make me blush, too, Becca laughed. I figured you had half our wedding planned already, with your new friend there. Did she have any ideas? Only that she was really keen on the idea of us having a night wedding on April 30th for some reason. Wouldn't say much else. She sure liked the green onion cakes, though. Their conversation was interrupted by a sound that Lisa knew by heart and only wished that it was something she could feel good about. The din of a shoddy muffler of a pickup truck that had seen better days was loud enough that it was starting to interrupt the song, and Lisa frowned as she held Becca a little tighter. She'd hoped it wouldn't come to this. As the lights of the truck shone through the window and suddenly shut off, Lisa shot a look over to Marcus, who looked nervous. James had arrived. Getting spooked yet? Let's take a small break from the hellish activities of karaoke to listen to our friend Naomi as she gives us a sample of what you can find on her podcast, Dope Nostalgia. You remember that sound? Yeah, you do. The 1990s. It was fun. Lots of fun music, good times. Book ended by pop bands. And right in the middle, we got a little grungy. So many artists came and went and left us wondering, what are they doing now? We know what Marky Mark ended up doing, but what about the rest of the funky bunch? Alanis Morissette had a pop career before she made it big with Jagged Little Pill. The KLF, an EDM band from England, got Tammy Wynette to sing on one of their tunes. 
All kinds of crazy stuff happened, and we're going to talk to you about it with interviews with some of the biggest stars of the 90s on Dope Nostalgia, the podcast. I'm Naomi Carmack, and I'm your host. Check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. And look us up on the internet at dopenostalgia.com. Around the room, the figures in dark clothing were shifting as the singing Susan was struggling to focus on performing amid the loud, obnoxious banter going on outside. Lisa looked to her table to see Jess was shrinking in her cup costume and huddled closer to Tom and Rhonda. Rhonda, for her part, was strictly focusing on the songbook in front of her, trying to avoid looking at the door as the noise came closer. Tom looked like he was back in high school gym class, as he seemed like he was ready to sink into the chair so the bullies wouldn't notice him. Lisa sighed when even Nicole looked up from her phone as the door opened. The articulate Susan was visibly irritated as they continued on, trying not to allow their voice to show the full extent of their anger and failing at it. Lisa caught Marcus scrambling around to try to get to where his father was as James came in. He wasn't alone, as two other men came in behind him, one of them with something in his hands that looked like it might have been a baseball bat. Lisa felt her stomach tighten and her blood run cold. Becca didn't say anything as she held on to Lisa's arm. Looks like the loser crew managed to round up some new weirdos to hang out at the Rat Palace. James called out as loudly as possible, cutting into the end of the song. The articulate Susan was visibly fuming as their spotlight was now completely stolen by the three. You can't be here like this, James, Marcus said, coming up to the front. You and your friends are going to have to leave if you're going to cause trouble. Marcus wasn't a small boy, but there was no way that he wasn't going to get hurt in a fight of three to one. What you got against my friend's costume, Marky boy? James said, making a face at him. And he only brought that bat to take care of your little rat problem there. Rats. The strange, unblinking Susan said, hopefully. There are none, the dour goth sighed, rolling his eyes. I looked earlier. Guys, remember what we talked about? Bragg said, turning from the bar now. He'd come closer to the articulate Susan, who seemed like they were on the verge of having a meltdown. Look, we thought these guys had gone away a few weeks ago. They probably won't be back again after tonight. Two nights, the articulate Susan seethed. In a year, my friend. Two. We have but that much time for an evening where we can enjoy the glory of escaping that insipid nannying position that we hold, and this creature and his imbecilic lackeys come to disturb it in the middle of my solo. Now, come on, I know it's disappointing and all, but you know that I can't do much about them and, well, at least two of them aren't long off coming to call anyway, Greg sighed. He looked at James, one of them definitely on his way if he doesn't quit smoking soon. His heart is already skipping a beat every chance it gets. You talking about me there, you old drunk? James said, his voice getting that edge to it like he was going to take a swing. Rhonda held tight to Tom's hand as he continued to sink into his chair. Nicole was starting to shrink in place too, and Lisa was furious. 
Becca put a hand on her shoulder to try to stop her, but she stepped down from the booth anyway and stood across from James now. It made her nervous, but it wasn't like the booth was going to do much if they did start a fight. Look who thinks she's tough stuff, James sneered. You gonna tell me that it's time for me to leave too, or are you too busy making people sick with your friend over there? You're not invited to come ruin the night for everyone else around you just because you're a miserable jackass, Lisa said. No one here is going to back you up, and you're not going to chase everyone out like you did at my engagement party. The people around us are welcome here, but you're not. Go home, James. Make me, bitch, he replied in a tone that made her shiver. In all the time that Lisa had known this man, she'd seen his temper flare a few times, but she never thought the day would come that he would turn it on her. For the first time, she was truly scared of him, and if he knew it, he didn't care. If something didn't happen soon, she knew that someone here was going to get hurt. Hey Richie, that booth looks a little like it could use some redecorating, James said, taking a step forward. When he didn't get a reply, James looked back for his friend and was suddenly taken aback when he was standing there alone. What the hell is this? Guys, we talked about this, Greg said wincing. You know, we can't be doing this kind of thing in here. Correction, the goth boy replied. He had what looked like dark red lipstick smeared over his mouth now. He expressly stated that the people were inside, and if we were in here, we had to eat their food. He never said nothing about the people outside. What the hell does that mean? James said, stepping closer to the boy, trying to intimidate him. The goth boy just smiled at him, revealing his bloodied up teeth and showing off a pair of impressive fangs. <sighs> Tell me you didn't really... Both of them? Really? Greg sighed. Nah, I just had a chat with the one. I think he was the driver, but I'm telling you right now, he probably shouldn't have been driving. <laughs> the goth said, blinking now as he licked his teeth. He's fine. Won't be driving now, though, so it's okay. Billy, grab your bat, James said, now unable to figure out if he was angry or afraid. Billy, where the hell are you? Outside. The unblinking Susan replied. Need some air. Still breathing, though, yes? Greg encouraged. Yes. Makes those funny noises, but breathing, yes. Oh, you weirdos are gonna pay for this, James said, tripping over his feet now. He jabbed a finger at Lisa. You freaks did this, didn't you? You brought all those perverts you know, didn't you? Like that thing right there with the mic isn't one of you. I can tell. Pardon me? The articulate Susan said, narrowing their eyes. Greg cringed and the rest of the table in front of them looked on in shock as the articulate Susan turned their head and slowly made its way all the way around to look back at James. He stood stunned and visibly shrunk as he stepped back. 
He made a small squeaking noise as a bunch of black-gloved hands suddenly grabbed to his arms. How dare? The articulate Susan began, already out of breath from seething. Their body turned to catch up to their head, and they began to march forward in a way that shook the floor. You, a worthless, cowardly little bean of a man, come stomping in here to intimidate the people of this tavern, and you have the audacity to interrupt me. And you call me such vile things to my back? You know what I am, do you? You can tell what lies beneath this clever disguise, you believe? Well then, feast your eyes on your answer. Drink in your ignorance. Marvel at the punishment you suffer at interrupting the words of Paul McCartney. Greg couldn't move a muscle before the articulate Susan pulled up the mask while glaring directly into the face of their intruding bully. The look on his face seemed to change from shock to horror to utter bewilderment as the color seeped from his hair. Just as Lisa was sure that his eyes were going to pop out of his head, the irises rolled back and James became limp. For the second time that night, everything was quiet enough that all they could hear was the soft shuffle of cards being moved around. Marcus looked to Lisa and she just shook her head. She had no idea what to do now, as the articulate Susan replaced their mask and straightened it out with the help of the unblinking Susan. The other figures quickly ushered James out the door. Her friends were all looking at Lisa now, to figure out what to do, with the exception of Nicole, who was now again furiously texting, though from her expression, it was likely that she was asking to have her husband come pick her up immediately. I apologize for you having to see me act so unprofessional, the articulate Susan said, still adjusting their mask. That was regrettable. I don't know what his problem was, the goth boy said, dismissively licking the remains of red off his fingers. You never look better. Before anyone else could say anything... There was a light shuffle of feet, and Marcus's father emerged from where he'd been before. He patted Marcus's arm and gestured to the now quiet room. Marcus tried to reply, but his Mandarin wasn't very strong, and he sighed, looking over to Lisa helplessly. She looked around the room at all the expectant faces, and realized that whatever they did next might mean the end of the night for them all. She looked to Greg, who just frowned. He's asking why it's so quiet in here. Marcus finally said. He wants to know what's going on. Well, it's getting close to midnight here, Lisa said, looking around. So that means it's time for the costume contest? The army of Susans all nodded and gave a polite applause. Nicole shot her a look of disbelief while Rhonda primped her wig a bit more, even while looking around the room nervously. Becca came up behind her. Um, babe, is this a good idea? She asked quietly. I don't know, Lisa said. She looked back at Marcus. But I think I would rather spend a night with a bunch of Susans who want to sing, it seems, than tell Marcus's father that James came to break things and convince everyone there was a rat problem in the building. 
There are none, the goth boy said, blinking. I checked. Me too, the unblinking Susan added. Very disappointing. Marcus quickly explained something to his father, who nodded along. Finally, he nodded and looked out over the room. He walked up to the articulate Susan and patted them on the back before nodding again. He then made his way to where Rhonda was sitting and patted her on the shoulder too before waving to Marcus and making his way back to where he came. Um, I don't think he got the point of the costume contest, Marcus sighed. You honor me with a prize? The articulate Susan gasped, putting a hand to their chest. Well, the... Prize is a drink special in one of your dad's special platters, Lisa offered. Did you want to split it? I never imbibe in alcohol, so I am willing to surrender such a gift to a singer who has been deemed worthy to stand at my side. The articulate Susan beamed, and I shall partake of the special feast, even with my ruined solo. Oh, how marvelous. Yeah, and I want that drink after everything that's gone on tonight. Um, Lisa, are we still singing? Rhonda added. If everyone wants to, I guess. She shrugged. She watched as her friends exchanged glances. Even Cole had put her phone aside for the moment. Tom had gone back to normal, though he was still looking nervous. Jess was picking at her costume and looked at the songbook that Rhonda had been eyeing before James arrived. When she looked back, she saw Becca with a mic in her hand. Could I go next, babe? She asked sheepishly. Lisa smiled and headed back to the booth. She kissed Becca's cheek before taking her place to set up for the next songs. Well, that does it for the scary part of the night. But now that it's over, let's get back to singing, shall we? Lisa said. There was a burst of more enthusiastic applause. All right, then. Next up, we have The Love of My Life, Becca, singing Cherish by Madonna, and Get Ready for the Cures, Friday I'm in Love After, sung by, uh, Ralph? That's me, the goth boy announced loudly, throwing his head back. He suddenly had to steady himself. Hot damn, I should have taken the one with the bat. <clears throat> no, the unblinking Susan replied, making a face. Smells worse. Okay then, Lisa said, doing her best just to roll with whatever the crowd was going to do. So Becca's up, then Ralph, then in a surprise turn, Craig doing Werewolves of London. The rest of the evening passed in a bit of a blur, with her friends slowly trusting that the army of Susans wasn't about to do anything too weird for them. Eventually it seemed like just a weirder version of any other night. Marcus kept coming back to check with his father, but he hardly had to play busser at all, as all the newcomers had brought their own cups back to the bar for him. Eventually, Jess was back to having fun and dancing to every song. To mark their victory, the articulate Susan and Rhonda did a duet to Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Ralph turned out to be the worst singer in the bunch, but he had an infectious barking laugh that he let out every time he messed up the words. He even helped Tom out during one of his songs, much to the Tin Man's relief. Nicole ended up showing off her daughter's school pictures to another one of the random Susans, who seemed to be sympathetic to the way that the girl's shoes ended up getting scuffed right before the picture was taken. 
And through it all, Becca spent most of the night next to her, singing along quietly to every song and reminding her again that tonight was the best Halloween ever, even if it was the weirdest. There was something clearly wrong with the Susans and their lone Ralph, who admitted at some point that it wasn't his real name, but he borrowed it from a hockey player he read about. Still, it was a bit reassuring to know that as long as they were there, everyone was going to just be able to have fun and sing. At the end of the night, Lisa and Greg did a duet version of Closing Time to round out the night. The Susans all seemed disappointed, but all of them clapped until the song ended. As Lisa was packing up, the room slowly seemed to empty a little more each time she turned her back. She'd managed to get a few goodbyes out to Jess and Nicole, both of whom were going to hitch a ride with Rhonda and Tom. In the time it took to make sure that Jess was okay to stand up and get through the door okay, most of the army of Susans was gone. Curiously, most of their tables were clean too, as though they hadn't had anyone sitting at them. Lisa came to the bar to pay her tab and found Marcus, looking around confused. Even Greg was gone now, and she hadn't even gotten a chance to say goodbye. I've come to pay the toll, Lisa said. What's my damage for my fancy drinks? It was paid for you, Marcus said. Becca? Susan, he sighed, with a bit of a laugh. I don't know which one, but one of them took care of it for you, so you'll have a running guess at who to send the thank you card to. So they're all gone? All except for one, Marcus said, nodding to the table closer to the back door to the kitchen. Sitting there in deep concentration was his father, facing a black hooded figure wearing a mannequin mask. His father laid down a card and laughed warmly. The figure in the mask just shook its head and rearranged its cards. Lisa went home that night feeling grateful but nervous. She didn't know what to think about these mysterious strangers who had come to crash her party, but the more she thought about it, the more she was happy they did. Over the course of the week, she figured things would make more sense to her. She didn't really see that one person twist their head all the way around to face James, did she? They weren't all named Susan, right? Try as she might, she couldn't forget the way the one woman sounded. She couldn't pretend she hadn't heard that noise come out of the first singer. She knew for a fact she'd seen blood on Ralph's teeth. As the week wore on and she came to another Saturday, she became more nervous. Was she going to see another room full of mystery figures all named Susan again tonight? Was she going to have to worry about James coming back? When she arrived, Lisa was pleasantly surprised to find the bar was actually about half full. Jess had come with Nicole again, who was going to be leaving early tonight, but they both wanted to sing, so they already had a songbook by the time that she was setting her stuff down. Marcus was at the bar, and their regular cook was back, but so was his father. There were also a lot of newcomers this week, but none of them were named Susan this time. Many of them were college students, and when one of them handed their slip, he said that a bunch of them had just finished their midterms, so they were celebrating. Greg was back, sitting quietly at the bar on his own, waving to just the regulars this time. By the time Becca arrived, they were fully into their rotations, most of the college students doing songs that were good for chanting along. It was a good night, and only got better as Jess broke out the dance moves and Rhonda arrived later but excited to be there. Though she looked for them, not a single one of their singers from the previous week had arrived. But there would have hardly been room for them with all of the people who'd come this time. For the first time in a while, Lisa could just relax and enjoy the night. As they were cleaning up after the last song, 
Lisa was finally able to make her way over to say hello to Marcus, who'd been kept on his toes all night. So how's that for a good night? Lisa said, leaning on the bar. It hasn't been like this in a while. That was fun. Yeah, too bad our new friends this week weren't as proficient at cleaning up after themselves, like our newcomers last week. But it was a good time. Marcus laughed. I was surprised they didn't show up this week. Lisa nodded. Can't, Greg chimed in. Lisa looked over to see him sigh and looked down at his hands. He was holding a key. You know, Greg, I meant to ask you last week. Lisa started. She cleared her throat. Whereabouts do you work that you know that many people? Uh, guess I'd come clean about it eventually, he sighed. Now, don't be telling much to the others there. Not that they remember much. You'll see. Give them a couple of weeks. No one will remember nothing. Always works that way with those ones. Those guys that came here, they don't mean no harm. Even when they're just doing their job. Mostly just hang out and wait for new arrivals, you know? New arrivals to where? Marcus said slowly. Well, kind of complicated, Greg hedged. See, most people see it as a place of punishment because it got a real wicked PR department back in the day. They really sold this idea of, like, sulfur and pyrotechnics and stuff, and it was just a big mess. Got to be more spectacle than anything. People were really annoyed that it was really just a cover-up, that it's mostly just, like, sensitivity training and stuff. Choir wasn't really necessary, but they had one, so they used it, and well, they kind of don't get to do much if no one asks for it, or if no one's complaining. Um, Greg? Are you telling us you brought the unholy choir of hell Susans here? Lisa asked. Well, kinda. Greg sighed, looking at the key. Mostly they just provide background music, you know? They don't get to sing nothing fun anyway. And, well, I spend all the time I'm there just watching to make sure the people who need training get in to do it and people who got it get to come out. They make good company, and I like the singing. So you brought them here to sing pop songs, Lisa said, shaking her head. Well, they don't get any time to do it otherwise, Greg said a little defensively. He cleared his throat. They're not bad. They just like singing and they wanted a break. Is that what the one meant when they were talking about the two nights? Marcus asked. Two nights in the whole year, Greg nodded. Halloween and Valpurgis knocked. Dark World and the Light One get close enough that they can walk in and out without a passport and that's it. Otherwise, they're too far away. And what about Ralph? Oh, he's a whole other ballgame, that one, Greg said. He's not that bad either. Just hates getting stuck spending Halloween in, like, cold graveyards. You know, didn't much care to come singing, but I think he gets lonely sometimes. You know how it is. So does that mean they're coming back? Well, maybe, Greg said, brightening. Eh, they had fun here. When they get the chance to come again, I think they'd enjoy that. One of them is here again, Marcus replied. He arrived as soon as the restaurant closed for the night. 
They glanced over to see his father sitting at the table he'd been the week before, with the same black-robed figure. Greg laughed and shook his head. That guy must really like that game, he smiled. Must have told your father his real name. That's the thing. If they know who you really are, you can call them for anything. Ah, oh, yeah, that's the languages guy, isn't it? Yeah, not that often he gets to just sit and chat with people, in one of the languages he knows anyway. But yeah, they can't all come again, not until Valpurgis knocked. You said that before, Lisa said. When is that? Mm, April 30th, he replied, getting up from the bar. April 30th. Lisa just shook her head and said nothing as she smiled. She didn't know that it would happen for sure, but she had a sneaking suspicion that she was going to end up with a lot of guests named Susan at her wedding reception. And that, my dear listeners, is my treat for you this Halloween season. Special thanks to my patrons, Maggie, Tim, Jonathan, Melissa, and Rihanna, for all your support. And just a reminder that patrons at the $2 tier and higher get everything early, and the $5 tier even got some extra bloopers to enjoy. The sound editing was done by Jonathan Glass, who did an excellent job of the sound for the background as well. Thank you so much for making this sound so good, and again, don't forget to check out his nostalgic-inspired tracks on his album The Haunted Planet. And speaking of nostalgia, don't forget to check out our friend of the podcast, Naomi, over at Dope Nostalgia for a great look at some of the 80s and 90s artists that time has unfairly left behind. And with that, I thank you all for indulging my little story here. I wish you a very happy and safe Halloween. <laughs>